Thank you for joining Sisterhood this month as we wander through Advent season. Advent really is a season of expectant waiting and preparation. It's extra focus. It's intentional wandering through the Christmas story, taking time to linger over it. And we're talking this month about being a world changer. And some of you may be out there thinking, I don't even remember if I brushed my teeth today. How can I change the world? And some of you may relate more to changing diapers than changing the world. Some of you may think your world-changing days have passed you by. But no matter what season you're in, I think you'll find yourself in one of these weeks and be encouraged about what it looks like and how easy it really is for your life to make an impact right where you are in any season for God. We're so excited about our Advent series and we're wandering and lingering through the Christmas story. And today we're going to look at being a world changer through the life of Elizabeth. And we're going to see what her life looked like and what she really did to be a world changer. And so we're going to read some scriptures and then we're going to just jump in and see how easy it is in this season of life to change our world for God. And so we're going to start with Luke chapter 1. In verse 5, it says, When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. And when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. Verse 25, How kind is the Lord, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. 
And I love, I want to comment just on a couple section, uh, verses of this passage because it says they were righteous and careful to obey the Lord's commandments and regulations. I want us to put a pin in that. And it also says they were very old. And another translation says they were well stricken in years. And this section, this little passage that we just read, seems to be more about Elijah or Zechariah than it was Elizabeth. And because Zechariah had like the angelic visitation and this magnificent, spectacular conversation with the angel who told him, you're going to have a baby and he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, even in the womb, which happened when Mary went to visit Elizabeth. We're going to look at that next week. But he gave them very specific instructions on how they were to raise him. And then I love how it ends with Elizabeth saying, how kind is the Lord. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. And then if you skip over to verse 39, there's a little bit more about her story. She's in seclusion and Mary has a visitation and she comes to visit Elizabeth. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived and she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greetings, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, my baby in my womb jumped for joy. This is the fulfillment when it said Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the baby jumped for joy. That was just a fulfillment of what the angel said. And Elizabeth said, you are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. And finally, we're going to read about the birth of John the Baptist. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came from the circumcision ceremony. I want you to remember that. They all came. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, No, his name is John. What? they exclaimed. There is no one in all of your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him, and he motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, His name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. All fell upon the whole neighborhood. And the news of what happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. And I love this uh, story about Elizabeth. It's not just Elizabeth. Obviously, there's other people involved. Um, but mostly about Elizabeth. And I love how it pointed out that they were righteous and careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. And um, that was kind of their qualification for the Lord to do that. And we read this story and we see Elizabeth kind of the sub-character. Because Zechariah had the visitation. But Elizabeth was just as much a part of this as Zechariah was because he couldn't have a baby. Elizabeth was the one who was going to have the baby. And so I, and they were well stricken in the years. And the angel said, Your prayer has been heard. I've come because you have prayed. And another translation of that says, The prayer you no longer pray. Because when they were well stricken in years, I'm sure they gave up on praying that prayer to have a baby and just resigned themselves to the fact that they probably weren't going to have a baby. And sometimes I wonder, 
Remember Advent? We're wandering and lingering and wondering our, our way through the Christmas story. I wonder about Elizabeth the woman. Have you ever wondered about just her life? What it meant up to that point? We have a glimpse of it. She was righteous. She was careful to obey the regulations and commandments of the Lord. She wanted a baby like every woman wanted a baby because it was honor and prestige and, and, and it was shameful in that day to not have a baby. So what was the life of Elizabeth the woman like? Did she feel left out? Did she feel like she didn't belong? Did she ever wonder what's wrong with me? Because a lot of women I talked to, I never had a problem having babies. That wasn't my problem. Some other things I longed for and waited for that never came to pass. But that wasn't one of them. So I don't know what that feels like. And some of you out there, you do know what that feels like. About being around other women and hearing about them getting pregnant and you being excited that they're pregnant. You don't want their baby. You want your own baby. But that twinge of regret and that sadness that comes on you because the one thing that you want the most you can't have and God's not giving you and what is happening here, God? What is wrong with me? I'm careful to obey all your commands and I keep your regulations and and that's what they did in the law, right? And um, did she feel like she didn't belong? Did she sit around her her women relatives who were talking about what their babies were doing at different stages and how their teenagers were annoying them and, and she just longed to have a teenager that would annoy her. Did she feel like she didn't belong? Because a lot of times when that's us, when we feel unwanted, when we feel neglected, when we feel left out, when we feel like we don't belong, we tend to isolate ourselves. So did she isolate herself? But here's the truth of the matter. In the midst of her life, all those well-stricken years, all those decades that led up to this point in her life, God had his eye on her. God had not forgotten her. God knew her name. God knew right where she lived. God knew what she wanted. He had heard her prayers. And he had waited, and I love what it said, for a proper the proper time. And so... God had his eye on her. And if that's you and you're out there and you're waiting and you're wondering and you're longing and you're feeling like I don't fit and I don't belong and is anybody for me and and what's wrong with me? God's got his eye on you. There's nothing wrong with you. She had an assignment God had specially prepared for her. And just like that, God has an assignment that he has specially prepared for you. And all of those decades leading up to that moment were preparation for the assignment. And whatever season you find yourself in of waiting and longing and expecting and hoping and discouraged and hope and discouragement and hope and how it goes back and forth, God has an assignment for you. He doesn't want you lost in despair and He doesn't want you lost in discouragement. He still has an assignment just for you. And so she clearly had in a community. And our tendency in those moments is to isolate. When we don't feel like we don't belong and don't fit in, we isolate and pull ourselves back. But she clearly had community because uh, the Bible says that they all gathered around her 
and celebrated the fact that shame was removed from her, that she got the desire of her heart, that she had her baby, and they all gathered around to celebrate with her. And I wonder if it's because she gathered around to celebrate with them, even in the midst of her pain and her heartache all of those years. She didn't run from God when her prayer didn't get answered. She stayed faithful in trust, even when she didn't understand why. Because the Bible didn't say they started out righteous and obeying all the regulations and commands of the Lord. That's where they were, faithfully still standing, well stricken in years after decades of waiting and wanting and disappointment. They were still faithful to the Lord. They didn't run away from God. She didn't run away from Him when she didn't get her prayers answered, when she didn't understand. She stayed faithful in trust. And this is something else that I really adore about the story of Elizabeth because it does define her as being well-stricken in years, very old, ancient, one translation says. But I love that, that God looked at her and didn't look at her and say, You're too old to birth something new for my kingdom. In fact, the first person to get pregnant in the Christmas story isn't Mary. It was, it was Elizabeth who was well stricken in years, who even when she was in the prime of her childbirthing years birthed nothing. But she wasn't too old at that moment in time to birth something new for the kingdom of God. And there's some of you out there that feel like your prayers have expired, maybe not naturally, but spiritually. And even in the prime of your life, it seemed like God wasn't using you and he, he overlooked you and didn't have anything for you. But this is what I want you to glean. The hope I want you to get from the life of Elizabeth is that our prayers don't expire. The angel came because of the prayer that they no longer pray and our prayers don't expire. God still has those prayers holding them before the throne. Prayers don't expire, but sometimes hope does. So let your hope be renewed. You are not too old to birth something new in the kingdom. Too tired, maybe. Like I think about Elizabeth, the woman, the well-stricken woman raising an infant. God had to have given her supernatural strength in her old age to be able to do that. There's a reason you have your kids when you're young. It's because that's when you also you have your energy. And so I believe that God gave her supernatural strength for that. And I'm praying for you too. You're not too old to birth something new in the kingdom. And may God strengthen you and breathe a fresh breath into your heart and breathe a fresh breath into your dreams or give you new dreams. You're not too old to birth something new. Press into God and find out what He is and then run with it. Run with it. And so this is what I love about the story of Elizabeth as well, because Elizabeth changed the world. She was included in the Christmas story, which was a world-changing event. And this is what Elizabeth did to change the world. Are you ready? She raised a baby. She was a mother. She was a mother who raised a baby, who became a toddler, who became a school-aged person, who became a teenager. She raised a baby into a God-fearing, God-following man. 
That's all she did to change the world. That was her contribution to changing the world. So mamas, you might be wondering, how can I make an impact for God when I more relate to changing diapers than to changing the world? Change those diapers. Change them intentionally. Raise those babies and raise them intentionally. Dig into the Word because it has a lot to say about God, uh, raising godly kids. Raise those kids to walk with God. Raise God-fearing, God-following, God-walking with kids who will honor His Word, and you will change the world, and you will impact the kingdom. Elizabeth's contribution, her assignment wasn't on a platform with a microphone. It was who she raised. God saw that Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous and they were careful to obey. And he knew he could trust them to be righteous and careful to obey the commandments that he gave on how to raise John. It was imperative. He watched their character and integrity all of those decades of their faithfulness in the midst of trial, in the midst of discouragement, in the midst of despair, in the midst of unanswered prayer, he watched them stay faithful, righteous, and careful to obey. And he knew he could trust them to raise a child who would be righteous and faithful and careful to obey. Your example before those little inquisitive watching eyes is huge. You being righteous, you being faithful, you being careful to obey the regulations and the commandments of the Lord while they're watching you is part of intentionally raising God-fearing, God-honoring, God-following babies. I heard this said, What one generation deems optional, the next generation will deem unnecessary. So mamas, if you're finding it optional to read the Bible, or to pray, or to go to church, or to have your babies in church, or to walk with God, or to be righteous and careful to obey, if you find those things optional, your kids will find them unnecessary. You want to raise God-following, God-fearing kids? Lead by example, and then lead by instruction. Lead by example intentionally. Lead by instruction intentionally. Oh, God is so good. I love this so much more in the story of Elizabeth, but it's time already to go. And we're going to actually look at her just a little bit more when her story intermixes with Mary's next week and see some really cool things about the intermingling of the generations and the inter- intermingling of the assignments and all of that kind of thing. But I'm so glad that you came today and I am praying for you today. And I just want you to walk away with this, this hope and this encouragement. You're not too old to birth something new for God. And if you're in the midst of raising those babies and you're tired and you're wondering, how can I change the world for God when all I think about is changing diapers? Just remember Elizabeth. Her assignment, her contribution wasn't what she did. It was who she raised It wasn't what she did. It was who she raised. This is a season. This is a very 
short season that feels very long because the days are long, but the years are short and you're going to get to the end of this season. And what's going to matter the most is not what platforms you stood on or what words people remember that you said. It's going to be these babies that you're raising to be God-fearing, God-following human beings who will be quick to obey the call of God on their life. And you do that by example and by instruction. And so be intentional. Be intentional, the parent. But the the best way to do that is in community. We weren't meant to live this life alone. We were meant to do it in community. And you have a community of women here at Sisterhood who are in your court. We're on your side. We're cheering you on. We're praying for you. We want to help you naturally. We want to help you spiritually. So come connect with us and uh, run with us. And we will help you, help you, help you be the best you that you can be. We can't wait till next week and uh, we'll look a little bit closer at the story of Mary next week as we continue on in our Advent series. But until then, be blessed. May God strengthen you. May God give you uh, grace to run your race in this chaotic, burdening season that we're in. Please remember that Christmas season was never meant to be a burden. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so we're praying for you to be able to get done what needs to be done in the amount of time that you have, that he would stretch your time, stretch your energy, increase your strength, and help you run today. Don't forget, we're better together. Hey, thanks for joining us for this Advent series. We're so excited. We can't wait to share it with you. Listen, if you have any questions about Advent, if you have any questions about the Christmas story, the different uh, participants of it, who God used in it, any questions about being a world changer, reach out to us, DM us, pop it in the comments. You can email me at Tony at therivertrch.church. That's T-O-N-I at therivertrch.church. We'd be happy in the next four weeks to answer those questions for you. 